Thanks, Daniel. Well, my name is Ron Cole. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a joy to welcome all of you here and to say thanks. It's been, uh, I've had a couple of weeks off here and um, really enjoyed the time, and so it's, it's good to be back and good to see all of you again. We're going to continue. This summer, we've been going through the book of Genesis. Uh, we started this several years ago, and we're really looking, focusing on Abraham and these stories. And, and what I want to do this morning are two things. First, I want to just kind of introduce this again and, and just kind of give us an orientation to the whole story, to where we are in the big picture. And then, and then I want to pick up kind of a sideline that, that's something that we probably don't talk about all that often, but given our situation today, um, and, and so on. I think you'll find it really interesting and really challenging for us. So first of all, an orientation and then kind of picking up on, on a little sideline, but that has a huge, uh, a huge challenge for us today. So again, the book of Genesis is so important because it gives us those pictures of beginnings, teaches us who God is, who we are, how we relate to him. And we said that God created the world good, and then Adam and Eve and all of us in them, all of us sinned against God. We rebelled against God. And so uh, everything is broken. And so where we pick up the story with Abram is that the, the world God created good is broken. He's been doing some things with everybody. But now in chapter 12 of Genesis, uh, God decides that he's going to work through one individual, one family, one nation. And, and, and part of what's significant about that is that... Uh, what, God's been working with everybody, and now he's just going to part off this individual person with this, this single person here. God is still going to try to save the world. Not just try, he's going to complete it. God is still going to make all things new. God is still going to love everybody, but he's going to pick Abram. He's going to pick this one person, again, by the name of Abram or Abraham as he becomes later in his life. And he's going to work through that person. Part of what happens with this is that, is that the idea, and part of the reason this is important, is because this is, I think, the way God still works today. But God's plan is that Abram's children will be God's presence in this world, okay? Abram and his children and his grandchildren and the whole nation of Israel will become God's presence in this world today. And, and that's part of what we say for us, that as a church, we are to be God's presence in this world. And by that, we are to bless the world by showing the world who God is, right? That was the next part of it. Abram's children, their purpose will be to bless the whole world by showing the world who God is, okay? So that's God's plan. Everything was created good, it fell, and now God is going to work through Abram. And and he's going to create Abram to be a people, and everybody else will look at Abraham and his descendants and so on, and they'll say, tell us about your God. And that's there from the very beginning. Again, Genesis 12, all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So the world God created good is broken. God decides to work through the one person, Abram, and, and let's just recognize again, just a reminder, Abram's a really odd choice. That's consistent with what God does throughout all the scriptures and still today. Abram is an odd choice. If you're going to create a dynasty, if you are going to create a family that is going to change the world, if you're, going to, if you're going to turn everything upside down, Abram is not the guy you go to because he's a nobody. He doesn't have any power. He's not a big shot. He's already old. By the time he gets into the land, he's 75 years old. And so he doesn't have, you know, I mean, he's already got that behind him. And most significantly, he doesn't have any kids. His wife is 65. But that's what God does. God says, okay, I'm going to, and we talked about that, how God kind of puts himself into a corner and says, okay, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to make this really hard for me. I'm going to make this really hard for me. And so he chooses Abram, and he starts to work through Abram. He calls Abram, and we've said all along, God makes two promises to Abram. You will have a son, and you will have land, okay? Your children will inherit the land. Those two promises are, are the ones that God has made to Abram. So the, really the Abraham story, uh, we've been talking about two. I want to make it three key questions, okay? And again, this is all right, if I, this kind of review, but just kind of an overview. Three key questions. Will God be faithful? 
You say, well, Ron, of course God is faithful. We sing about it all the time. God is faithful. Again, remember, it's, it's 24 years before anything happens, okay? It's 24 years of waiting before anything happens. And so there's a long time of saying, God, are you really there? God, are you really going to do anything? Will Abram be faithful? And we saw that that's been a mixed bag, right? Sometimes he's faithful, sometimes he's not, a lot like you and a lot like me. And, and the third question that's kind of in the background, but I want to bring it forward, is it's just that what happens if Abram isn't faithful, <laughs> right? What, what happens if Abram isn't faithful? What happens if you're not faithful? What happens if I'm not faithful? And we've seen it already. Even though Abram's not faithful, God is faithful, all right? God moves forward. So there's this promise. Abram has been waiting. He's in the land. Sarah, his wife, is there. They're waiting for a child. We kind of dealt with the land stuff a little bit. We know that's not coming for 400 years. But now we're in this section where he's dealing with a son. And there's, there's a kind of a sideline here that comes up, okay? It, it comes up, and I think it's going to be really important for us to understand this. And it starts in Genesis 16. Eric looked at this a couple of weeks ago. I want to kind of just remind you a little bit of it, and, and then we'll kind of see what this has to teach us, all right? So I want to take a look at, at kind of just a reminder of what Eric talked about from Genesis 16. At this point, Abram has been in the land for 12 years, all right? He and Sarah are there. Nephew Lot was with them. Now Lot is over in Sodom, um, and, and, and so they're there. It's been 12 years and, and they're waiting, and there's still no land, there's still no sun, and they're trying to figure out what to do. So they decide to help God along, right? They decide that maybe God needs a little push, maybe God needs a little help in this. And, and, and they decide to do something that at first blush might sound really odd to us, but you need to understand it would not have been strange or odd in that world. What happens is that Sarah, Sarai, <clears throat> Sarai suggests to Abram that he have a child with Hagar, her slave. Now, some of us look at this and say, well, obviously that's not God's plan. Friends, there was no religious problem with this. There was no moral problem with this. There was no legal problem with this. This is just what you did. She was a surrogate mother. I mean, this is just the way couples who didn't have children, this is how they got a child. You use somebody like Hagar. And, and, and the child was legally Abram's and ultimately really legally even Sarah's, Okay. This would be their child, even though it didn't come through Sarah. This will be their child. And, and so we don't, again, we kind of read this part of the story and we say, obviously, they're disobeying God. They're not. There is nothing in the text that suggests this action was, was disobedient to God. It, it, it's simply not. So Abram gets together with Hagar. They, uh, she gets pregnant. And then, of course, one of the difficulties in a situation like this is Sarah becomes very jealous. She's wanted a baby her whole life. Now Hagar's there, and she gets pregnant right away. And so if you remember from two weeks ago, <laughs> Sarai sends Hagar out into the desert. Get rid of her. Abram says, fine, whatever you want to do. She's your slave. Get rid of her. Had to kill Abram, right? This is his son. Think about it. Honestly, this is his son. But go ahead. And so she goes out, and, and as Eric said, the angel of the Lord stops her. The angel of the Lord. God sends an angel or he himself, it's always interesting in the Old Testament, trying to figure out, and says, you know what, go back. Go back because this child is going to be blessed. Go back because this child is going to be loved by God. So Hagar goes back. She has a baby. Um, and, and the baby's name, Abraham gives the baby the name Ishmael. God hears. Similar to Samuel, God hears. Ishmael, God hears. And, and what I want to say next is, is important, Okay. Although, it, it, and not every Christian would agree with me, 
But I think this is what the text calls us to think. This is what the Bible is talking about. And, and I think it really helps us understand the story and the dynamics of what's going on. All right? So now Abram has a son by Hagar, but he's got a son. And I want to suggest that what the Bible t- would have us understand is that Abram, let me put it up here first. Abram considers Ishmael the one, the son he has been promised. There is no reason for him not to make that assumption. We kind of say, no, it's not, because we know that it's going to come through Sarah. Forget that. We're not there in the story yet. You've got to understand, we walk with Abram through this, and for Abram, this is his son. It is his seed. It is his child. It is his firstborn son. God has promised him an heir, and he has an heir. And what I want to suggest, and I think this is, and you'll see it when we get through different places in the text, what I want to suggest is that for those first 13 years of Ishmael's life, Abram was saying, God has made me a promise, and it's now to you. You are going to be the one who carries forward this promise. All right, for those 13 years, that's what Abram would have been thinking, right? There's just, like I said, there's not a, a religious or a legal problem with anything that Abram has done or Sarah has done. God said, you're going to have a son. This is his son. In this culture, again, at this time, a woman was con- considered as contributing nothing to the child. She was, as Eric pointed out, an incubator. She contributed nothing. So this is fully Abram's son. And, and Abram would say, okay, now I've got this part of the promise. I've got an heir. Let me kind of try to picture this for you, all right? And, and this is going to help us as we, as we move forward. you got Abram there. you got his wife, Sarah, uh, or Sarai again at this point. Um, again, we'll go back a little bit. Lot was, was his nephew. And we talked about it when we talked about Lot. I think it was back in chapter 14, or, or maybe it was 13. But, but Lot is his nephew, and, and it, it looked for a while like maybe Lot could be the one. Right? Lot could be the descendant. I mean, he's his, his nephew, his, his brother's son. Um, he's got his blood running through him, at least, and so on. And so maybe he can adopt. That happened often again. That was another thing. Maybe he can adopt Lot. But Lot says, no, I want to be on my own. And, and Lot moves over to Sodom, and we're going to come back to that in a couple of weeks. So Lot is now kind of off to the side, all right? He's now kind of not in that position. Now, again, 12 years later, what we get is Ishmael is born. And Ishmael in Abram's view is now that child. It is his son, okay? And then we come to Genesis 17. Daniel looked at it last week. Genesis 17. Now, two of the main thrusts of 17 are, are, what, are, what, are what Daniel dealt with last week, all right? It's, it's now 13 years later. Abram is 99. Sarai is 89. And God comes. And, 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 and two things that, that God does in Genesis 17, the first half, central to the text, that God makes a covenant. Adam, Daniel talked about this last week. He makes a covenant with Abram. We've always had promises, but now we have a covenant where each of them makes commitments and God calls for a response to the circumcision of all the males. Okay? So God calls for that response. And, and there's that placement of, of, of the covenant. And then God gives Abram and Sarah new names. This is where we get them, Abraham and Sarah. It's the next thing that happens at the end of the chapter that we often skip over. And, 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 but I think that it, this, is, this is, like I say, this is the sideline, but it teaches us something extremely, extremely important. Because what happens towards the end of chapter 17 is that God promises Abram another son. He promises Abram another son by Sarah, and he says, this is going to be the one. And I want you to just stop and put yourself in Abram's sandals, so to speak, okay, in Abram's shoes. 
Because again, he's been praying for his son. He's got a son. He does. Ishmael is his boy, his firstborn son. He loves Ishmael deeply. And now God says, yeah, but you know what? Ishmael's not going to be the one. You're going to have another son. And this is going to be the one through whom I'm going to work. And, 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 and again, we don't often realize, I think, how much that would have just kind of just shocked Abraham. Let's look at it in the text, all right? And then I'll, I'll kind of map it out for you. God also said to Abram, verse 15, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah, which means princess. And then the first time, up to this point in the story, Abraham has been promised a child. Sarah has never been. Okay? Got to understand it. Abram, you will have a son. Now, in, in the next verse, verse 16, now we get Sarai being promised a son. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her, okay? This is, you know, we've kind of assumed that. We kind of thought that she is the wife. We thought that she would be the one. But never has it been clear. That's why I want to say Ishmael was, was this is the first time that God says, no, by the way, you're going to have one with Sarah. I promise you, it's going to be with Sarah, and you're, you're going to have a baby with her, all right? I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. And Abram is shocked. Okay, Abraham is just, he is shocked, and he doesn't know what to do. Part of it is another son. I mean, I waited 87 years, now 13 more years, and you're going to do this again? I seriously, look at Abram, next verse, 17. Abram fell face down. He laughed. And I don't know if that's a, 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 an unbelievable laugh. That's what I think. And, and, and he said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? God, are you serious? Are you serious? And then look at the next verse, verse 18. What does Abram say? And Abram said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. I've got Ishmael. I've got a son. Why can't you work through him? Why don't you use him? If only Ishmael will live under your blessing. That's why I say, I think Abraham at this point is, is assuming Ishmael is the one. And God responds. Then God said, yes. But your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. First time we get the name, okay? All right. I'll get back to Ishmael. He says in a minute, yeah, yeah, yeah. But your wife is going to bear you a son. You'll call him Isaac, which means laughter. And then these words, I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. So here's Abram. He's got one son. He assumes this is the one. Now God says, you're going to have another one. And guess what? It's the second one. It's the second one. And, and, and this is the reason why I think this is really important, because this becomes a pattern of God throughout Scripture, and it raises huge questions for all of us, and it, as it did for Abram and Sarai and so on. That, that what looks to us somewhat willy-nilly, let's just be honest about it. We don't understand why this is. But for some reason, and God knows the reason, we don't. Isaac, not Ishmael, will be the one through whom God will work. Isaac, not Ishmael, will be the one through whom God will work. Let's go back to map this out again, all right? So Ishmael is here. Abram thinks he's the one. Now we know he is not the one. 
So like Lot, guess what we got to do? We got to push him off to the side, okay? And, and, and I want to be really clear about this this morning. I believe what, what the scriptures teach us, and, and this is very clear, that the one who is going to be the one who, who brings life is it's going to come down through Isaac. He is going to be the one. And then it's going to go on to Jacob, and it's going to go generation after generation after generation until it comes to Jesus Christ. That is where salvation comes from. That is the line that God chooses to use, Okay? And, and, and we will look at that line, and we spend the great majority of our time following this line, following Jesus, learning about what God is doing, and so on. But this morning, I don't want to. This morning, I want to look at Ishmael, okay? I want to ask, what, what does God do over here? All right, there we go. Um, what, what is God going to do over here? And, and, and what I want you to recognize is what Ishmael recognizes, or represents, rather, is, is Ishmael represents now the outsider. Ishmael represents the non-chosen one. And I want to show you what so often happens, and it certainly happens with Ishmael, and it's still happening today with Ishmael. I want to show you what happens, but I want to then look at the text and say, is that what's supposed to happen? Because it's not. And I think we need to kind of think about this. How is Abram supposed to treat the outsiders? How does God treat the outsiders? What is God's view of Ishmael? Let me tell you a little bit more about Ishmael, and you'll understand why I say this has a lot of impact for today, okay? Let me tell you a little bit more about him. He is the father of many of the Arab peoples, okay? Now we're interested, aren't we? (laughs) Ishmael is going to have 12 sons. They're going to become 12 nations, the Moabites, the Edomites, the Ishmaelites, a whole bunch of other ites. He's going to have these, and many of the Arab nations Trace their lineage back to Ishmael. And you're starting to think about something, right? Conflict that has been going on for an awful long time. You see it some in the Old Testament already. But, but conflict between the children of Isaac and the children of Ishmael. Conflict between the two children of Abraham, right? Uh, and, and the grandchildren and so on. And, 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 and so there's this kind of constant conflict there, all right, with, with God's people in the Old Testament, with the Jewish people. Now, let's move forward a little bit. In fact, let's move beyond the New Testament. Let's come to when uh, Islam begins, when Muhammad, uh, as it were, writes the Quran. And, and in the Quran, this is, this is important, in the Quran, Ishmael is the one. In Islam, Ishmael is the one. This is where one of the key places where Jewish people and Muslim people and, and Christian people and Muslim people, we differ. If you read the Quran, it is Ishmael is chosen, Jacob is secondary. It's the Arab people who are chosen, not the Jewish people. In fact, if you read the Quran, what you'll see is that the story we'll look at in a few weeks of when God uh, challenges Abram to be willing to sacrifice Isaac in the Quran, that's Ishmael. And, and God, Abram brings Ishmael to Mecca. Oh, that's familiar. <laughs> And that's how they read the story. So now we have this two competing stories here, two competing lines here. And let's just be honest about it. This has been a, a challenge for Christians as well, right? As, as Christians struggling with, with Arabs in general, struggling with Muslims in general, and, 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 and so on. And again, don't hear me clearly. Salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. I believe that with all my heart. But here's the problem. Too often in Jewish history, too often in Christian history, what we have often said is that Ishmael was just rejected by God and hated by God, and therefore we must hate them. We must hate the children of Ishmael. We must hate the Arabs. They have been rejected by God. They represent all that's evil. They represent all that's wrong. And and so our job to the outsider is to hate them. And I want to say, dead wrong. Dead wrong. 
The Jewish people did it, but it was Sarah who hated Hagar, not God. And it's Christian people, not God, who hates the children of Ishmael. We are called, I want to suggest, to love Ishmael. We are called to love and to bless. Let me just, let me just look at, watch what happens in the text. Let's take the text seriously and recognize this is God's word. So watch what happens in the text, all right? Again, back to verse 19. I, I, Isaac is going to be the baby. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Isaac is going to be the one who's chosen. No question about that. I believe that with all my heart. But what about Ishmael? You ever read the next verse? Look at what it says about Ishmael. And as for Ishmael, that outsider, the one I didn't choose, and again, what we're talking about is being chosen for a purpose, to bless the nations. The one I didn't choose, as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. That doesn't sound like cursing to me. Doesn't sound like hatred to me. Now, again, salvation comes through Jesus Christ. But God, Ishmael is the child of Abraham, is the son of Abram. And God loves Ishmael. And God wants Ishmael ultimately to come home through Jesus Christ. That's God's plan. But we've turned that into saying, you know what? They're hated by God. They're rejected by God. And some of the Christian literature you read talking about Muslims and Arab people is so nasty and wrong, unscriptural. Because guess what, friends? Arabs and Muslims are loved and blessed by God. Again, not to salvation, all right? God still loves them. God still is blessing them in the same way he blesses all non-Christian people. But our attitude toward them needs to be that they are brothers who, who, who need to come home to their ultimate brother, Jesus Christ, okay? And, and just take a look at how Ishmael is presented throughout this. Let's go back to chapter 16 again. When, when, when Sarai has sent uh, Hagar, when she's pregnant with Ishmael, sent uh, Hagar out into the fields, out into the desert. Who is it? Comes the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. Boy, that's a lot like the promise to Abraham, isn't it? Did you know that? God said that to Ishmael and Abraham. God loves Ishmael. Chapter 17. Last week, Daniel talked about circumcision, right? At the end of the chapter, they circumcise. Well, look at who gets circumcised. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael. He didn't say, oh, you're not the one anymore. Uh, you know, you're not going to be the one. No, he assumed he's the one. He's part of the family. This is his son. He took his son Ishmael, and all those born in his household are bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them as God told him. He's 13 years old. He's Abraham's son. Let's jump forward a little bit. Genesis chapter 21. All right? This is, uh, again, another, what, 12 years later? Um, Genesis 20, or 13 years later, Genesis 21. This is when Isaac is now born. And then probably three years later, Isaac is weaned. That was kind of the age. So now Ishmael's 16. Isaac is three. And, and we're told, and, 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 well, we're told that Ishmael mocks Isaac. Um, the word can actually be also jokes with. I don't think it's that. I think it's mocks. But again, think about Ishmael and how difficult his position is. For 13 years, he thought he was the one. For 13 years, he was going to be the child of God's promise. 
And now he's told, sorry, you're not. It's hard to be an outsider. It doesn't always feel fair to be an outsider, right? I think that it's very fair, and we need to honor the question, answer it truthfully, but very fair for non-Christians to say, you seriously say there's only salvation in Jesus Christ. I say, yes, there is. And I don't understand why God did that. So I, you know, again, hear me clearly. The answer is yes. But that's an understandable question. So just because I was a child of Ishmael, just because I was raised in a Muslim family, I'm going to hell because you, you know, da, 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 and you just got lucky. I don't understand God's ways, friends. I don't. But it needs to lead us to humility. We'll come back to that, all right? Ishmael mocks Isaac. Sarai, again, pulls the trigger and says, get him out of here. Abram says, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to do that. God says, Abram, just go ahead. It's, it's okay. It's okay. So Hagar and Ishmael are, again, sent away by Abraham because Sarah told him to, but again, with God's permission. But how does it impact Abram? You know, this, this stream that we have that kind of says, well, God hates him. He rejects him. There's just all these. Look at what it does. It breaks Abraham's heart. This matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. I mean, imagine, again, you've got, you got two kids, and God says, guess what? You don't get to have them share the business. you got two kids. You, no, I, this one is, God, it breaks, why? I don't know. God has his reasons. And it distressed Abram greatly. And he doesn't just boot her out. He sends her out with, with help. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. Take water. Have food. You're going to be in the desert. And they wandered on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. Water doesn't last long. Food doesn't last long. Pretty soon, Ishmael is in one place crying, and Hagar is in another place crying. And again, what is God's attitude? You know, if God hated and rejected, why didn't he just let Ishmael die there? He doesn't. Again, an angel of the Lord shows up. God heard the boy. God heard Ishmael crying. Guess what? God listens to outsiders because he loves them too. Again, he wants them to come to Jesus. But his attitude is love towards them. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. God says, I am going to take care of him. And then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God is taking care of her. And then again, the next verse, God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. Again, God is going to work through Isaac, but God loves Ishmael. And God loves Ishmael's children. God wants Ishmael's children to come home through his son, Jesus Christ. That's an outsider. God loves Ishmael and, and Ishmael's children. One more, and, and I could, this is probably the last one that's, that's mentioned in Scripture, Genesis 25. Genesis 25, now it's 75 years later. 
Abraham dies. All right. And look at what happens. Then Abram breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man full of years, and he was gathered to his people. One of the biggest honors in that culture was to bury somebody. Do you know who buried Abraham? His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Mechvelah near Mamre in the field of Ephron, son of Zohar the Hittite. Now, Abram actually had other kids by a Keturah, another wife, later on. They're not part of this. Ishmael is. That's another whole story. We won't worry about that one today. But that's why I say, check it out, friends. Ishmael is not the one, okay? Ishmael's going to have to submit to his younger brother. It's like Esau's going to have to submit to Jacob for salvation, right? Ishmael is not the one, but he is still loved and blessed by God, and he needs to be loved and blessed by us. I think we need to recognize that just as, as we as Christians, in, in some ways many of us do have a sense of, 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 of Jewish people being our, you know, and, and wanting them to come to Christ because they're, they're where we've come from. Ishmael is the son of Abraham. And in a sense, I mean, you, you wanna, I'd suggest if you want to have a broken heart, Arabs would be a great next people. Muslims would be a great next people to love and to pray for. I loved it that Daniel did that so well in his prayer. I didn't tell him I was doing this, but I mean, that's the heart we're called to have. And and it's not just Arabs. It's all the outsiders. Again, too often we in the Christian community say, well, if you're not us, you're not much, right? If you're not one of us, if you're not chosen, we're chosen because we're better. We're chosen because we're smarter. God picked me because I was smart enough to pick him. Friends, it's amazing grace and only grace. And if there's somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ, our attitude to them is not that, well, ha-ha, neener, 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 you were rejected. Our attitude needs to be, God, brother, come on home. Come on, sister. God loves you and wants to bless you. And God gives these gifts and so on. So let me wrap this up. Three key things to remember just as, as we go from here. And, and, and I've kind of hinted at this in, in all three of these. But f- first of all, we don't know why God chose Isaac, not Ishmael. We're not told clearly why. But it wasn't because Isaac was so much better than Ishmael. Just like Jacob was not much better than Esau and, 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 and all these things. It, it, friends, there's no room for pride. Okay? If you belong to Jesus Christ, it is not a matter of pride. It's not a matter of saying, you see, God chose me. <laughs> He didn't choose you. It's a matter of humility, of saying, I don't understand, God, why you would pick such a one as I. I don't understand, God, why you would put me in a family that taught me about Jesus. But my heart breaks for those who don't know him. All right. So there's no room for pride. We don't know why. It's not, again, and and Israel got this wrong. This is so, I mean, fascinating question is, why did the Israelites keep telling these stories? I mean, here in their own scriptures, here in our scriptures, is this story that they're supposed to be treating the Moabites a lot better than they're treating the Moabites. But yet we fall into pride because we're right and you're wrong. Isaac was chosen second to be a blessing to the outsiders, all right? He was chosen to bless others. He was called to... It wasn't that God says, okay, this one I love and this one I'm going to reject. It was this one, it's through this one that I'm going to bring salvation. So this one and Lot and everybody else and all of us who are Gentiles, not Jewish by birth, 
need to kind of graft into that. That's our story. Isaac was chosen to bless, and now we are chosen to bless outsiders. Again, I think it's interesting to think, including maybe especially Ishmael's children. I wonder about that. Certainly as much as anybody else. And, and then they're going to, you know, our hearts should break with love, not hate for the outsiders. Again, we speak the truth. It's through Isaac that salvation is going to come ultimately through Jesus Christ, but it's through that line we speak the truth, but we do it with humility and with love. That's why I, this was going to be a little point at the beginning of the sermon, and then I was going to, but we'll get to the next part next week. But this just really grabbed hold of me, and it just really challenged me to say, you know, God loves the outsiders. Some of them that we claim to hate, and we claim to hate in God's names. God loves the outsiders. The question is, do we? Not saying all the outsiders are right, but our attitude is to love them because they are God's children and invite them to find ultimate, true, eternal life through Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we so easily fall into the worldly patterns of who's in and who's out, and inners are better than outers, and, and, and Father, forgive us for that. Your grace is amazing that you have chosen us that you have called us to be followers of Jesus Christ and you've opened up our hearts to your new life through him. Father, we think about those who don't know you. We think about the Ishmaels and and all those people who who, who are outside. And Lord, we just, our heart breaks for them. We pray that we can be a place where they can learn that they are loved by us and more importantly, by you. Father, help us to become that kind of a family. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.